Welcome to The Well Drop, Own Your Wellness. I'm your host, Amber Berger. And I'm Dina Wismer. We are mothers, friends, wellness experts, and self-described warriors who have each experienced our own unique personal wellness journeys. We are your wellness friends here to give you drops of wisdom we've discovered over the years that actually work. Wellness. What is it really? The struggle is real, and we're here to help sift through the noise. I became a mother on a mission, (laughs) and I wasn't going to give up until I found the best solution I could for for you right yeah i think the you know traditional medical community i guess it failed us today is a very special episode for me i have my mother joy zypher here today hi Uh, amber welcome mom thank you so my mother was very instrumental in helping to heal me from crohn's disease it was through her intuition her mother's intuition trusting her gut literally and figuratively and we're here to share my wellness journey, which she was obviously a part of it. And it really started from the day I was born. So mom, what happened after I was born? I believe if I was one day old. It was actually a neonatal nurse that came in. Uh, she was on a 12 hour shift. She had 20 years experience and she was there when the pediatrician came twice. And because you kept throwing up and I was nursing, you were throwing up even though that was a normal thing for babies to do, she felt uncomfortable and called in the neonatologist who gave you, you know, raving colors again. But it was towards the end of her shift that she said to me, in my 20 years experience, I never saw a baby throw up as much as your daughter, and I'm gonna call back the neonatologist. So this was around midnight. You were born earlier in the day, and you were this beautiful first baby, of course, But as the day went on, your skin color started to change from like a a white pink to like a a greenish glow. And so when the neonatologist came in the second time around 1 a.m., they determined that possibly this baby is sick because you started to throw up bile. Mm. But at that time, there was no neonatology department in the hospital that I delivered you. So you had to be transferred down to another hospital an hour away. So I was born natural birth. You actually did not do an epidural. No drugs at all. No no pain drugs after delivery. No pain drugs uh, while I was nursing you. And that ended up being a tremendous plus for your surgery and recovery down in the neonate natology um, unit. It was a critical care unit in Miami. And it was actually the surgeon who came to me and he wanted to meet me. And I actually wanted to thank him for saving my daughter's life. So basically I was in the NICU and at that point throwing up and they realized they had to transfer me from one hospital to another because I needed, how did they know that they needed to do surgery? Why was that? You threw up bile. And so that was a sign. That was the sign that there was most likely an obstruction in the intestines. Okay. So then they perform surgery and now you got, you're at one hospital, I'm at another hospital. Exactly. They perform surgery and what do they tell you after surgery, what they discovered? They um, made a very large incision hip to hip, as you know, because they didn't know exactly what was wrong or, or where to find the problem. And they found four inches of the small intestine was collapsed. And so they went in and they sectioned out that four inches and sewed you back together. They termed it um, 
an intestinal atresia, most right. common birth defect. Yep. Mom did nothing wrong and you are now perfect. And so you always say the story goes that it was thanks to the NICU nurse that her natural gut instinct and 20-year experience is who knew that there was a problem. And she was a mother herself. She was. And I think that it's a mom's inner instinct that tells a person when something is wrong over and beyond logic. Right. And I think so many of us, even just from that, you're a first mom at that point, and the NICU nurse had to repeatedly tell the other doctor, like, no, there's a problem here. And that sometimes you have to lean into that gut feeling that you're having to say something's not right and actually take action and do something about that. Then as my childhood, so I had obviously, you know, a birth defect growing up. They fixed it. I never thought about it growing up. But recently you mentioned to me that I actually had some stomach concerns growing up as a child and would do repeat doctor visits. Can you tell us a little bit about why you would bring me to the doctor? What are things that I was saying? What were some signs? Again, remember, you're my first child, so I don't have experience. So I'm really just going on gut instinct. And I could see that you were so picky about your clothing. <laughs> I, still I, today, still today. You didn't like wearing anything that had elastic around the waist. Mm-hmm. So you grew up in a lot of sundresses. <laughs> and I could see sometimes after eating, you know, that you look like you were uncomfortable. But again, you were just a, a little child. So it was things like that, that I was extra cautious when we just went for general checkups, saying, is she fine? They always checked your belly where the incision was. And mm -hmm. they always did an extra check uh, there and, and, and asked me a lot of questions. And you seemed to be okay. Um, growing up with the exception of this discomfort around where the incision was on your belly. Now, was I ever bloated or constipated growing up? I don't really recall that. Mm -mm. Okay. No. Me either. I don't remember that either. But for the record, the food that I lived on was fruity pebbles, uh, <laughs> honey smacks, what else? Frosted flakes, bagels and cream cheese, pizza, orange juice. I think those were just my go-tos. I don't even know if I really had a vegetable. You probably made me have a bite, but pancakes, my mom made the best pancakes. So let's just say that my diet was filled with sugar. It was the typical American diet that most kids ate and other kids ate as well. At that time growing up, I really didn't know anything different. I just kind of mimicked what I grew up on. Yeah, that makes sense. So fast forward, I'm 11. I was a competitive dancer for a few years. And all of a sudden, my right knee started swelling. In addition to the right knee, it was the one day that I came at carpool and you hopped in the car and you said, gee, mom, look at my elbow. Oh. And I looked at her elbow and it was like four times the size. I said, oh my goodness, what happened? You fell? No. Does it hurt? No. I go, it's, it's so swollen. How'd it get swollen? I don't know. It just, it did it all by itself. So we immediately went from school to the pediatrician's office. I forgot about the elbow. The elbow. And one, they took one look at it and they called up another doctor's office, which was a juvenile rheumatoid arthritis doctor. And we went to see him same day. And at that point, you were diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And they started to put you on 
anti-inflammatory drugs. So this was before my knee started to swell? The knee came after. Interesting. And we found that, unfortunately, the dancing that you loved aggravated and made that knee swell. Mm -hmm. But I was also cautioned that juvenile rheumatoid arthritis affects the joints. Correct. And also they say sometimes you can grow out of it. You can grow out of it. And so that was a diagnosis at that time. So basically I remember they gave me aspirin, Bayer mm-hmm. aspirin to be exact, mm-hmm. with Cody. It was a coating on it. A coated aspirin. And what about the coating were you very particular about? Because obviously I'm 11 years old and they're putting me on high doses of aspirin to take down the inflammation. But what would be the concern of taking large amounts of aspirin? Well, I had done some research and it showed that large doses of aspirin could burn holes into one's stomach. And so I was very concerned about that because of your age, the amount of doses that they wanted you on. It was every day that I kept verifying, you know, um, is this drug safe for my daughter to take at this age? So I don't know if you recall that the first juvenile rheumatoid arthritis doctor in Hollywood Mm -hmm. referred us down to Miami Children's Hospital. Mm -hmm. There was another doctor down there that had more experience, and he um, had dealt with a lot of patients, uh, young patients like yourself, with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and he was doing a testing series. What was that? So every three months, we would go to that doctor, and they would do blood testing on you. But after about nine months to a year, and they were taking all this blood, and you're on the high doses of aspirin, I began to think that he didn't really know what what was wrong with you. That was just, again, a mother's gut instinct. But he was the only one that I had to rely on other than the pediatrician. So we just stayed the course. Right. So basically, I mean, in hindsight, we never even thought about what is the root cause of this swelling that's happening in my body. No, and neither did they. Right. Because that's the American way. Mm -hmm. So then I'm on aspirin for a few years. I don't even remember how long. Fast forward. I am 14 years old. I actually remember it vividly. It happened to be Christmas Eve. Correct. And I, all of a sudden, my stomach got super bloated, extreme cramping and pain. And I kept complaining. My father kept dismissing it, saying, oh, don't worry, it's gas. It'll pass. It'll pass. Mm -hmm. And after at least four or five hours, I said, this is not gas. Like I'm in extreme pain and my stomach was bloated as if I was six months pregnant. I need to go to the hospital. And so we went to the hospital and that basically started our journey to figure out what was wrong with me. And it got to the point, I recall going to multiple doctors, doing multiple testing. I think sometimes when you have an autoimmune disease, it's extremely hard to figure out what is wrong with you when you're sort of borderline in a sense, like it's not so obvious. Yeah, I think we have to put into perspective, the year was probably around 1994. Um, Your age, you were 14 and a half years old. Even juvenile rheumatoid arthritis was not a common diagnosis for a child your age. And then when we went to the hospital for this other episode, there was a concern uh, because it was in the intestinal area, but they really weren't sure what was wrong with you and even discharged you without the known cause, which led us on our journey of being referred to gastroenterologists. 
and going from one after another after another, where with scopings and so forth, it was finally after our fourth hospital that we had gone to that you were finally diagnosed when you were 15. Correct. And at that point, I was told that the medications that were given to you for the juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, which was anti-inflammatory drugs, high doses of aspirin, actually caused the predisposition that you genetically had in your body, which was Crohn's. And those drugs caused full-blown Crohn's to come out. And if you had not been taking them, the episode maybe never would have come out because it was stimulated by by the medications. Right. And who knows? You know, my philosophy is, is that we all have stuff in us, right? It's a tough world out there. We all can get sick, but sometimes there's, you know, the match that creates the fire and the inferno in you. And maybe for me, it was the aspirin that set off the Crohn's. Mm -hmm. How was it for you? I think there's so much about community when somebody is sick. How did you get to these different doctors and experts? Well, you need to do your research and you have to ask everyone that you know for help. And what I found to be really important is that you ask people that you know and you talk to people that you don't know. You go and speak to a bunch of different hospitals and doctors. I got many doctors on the phone across the United States. I spoke to Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. I spoke to an adult doctor of mine who's a personal friend, and I said, can you help me out? I really don't know what to do for my daughter. She's now diagnosed with with Crohn's, and it looks like there may be a possible surgery down the road. And at that time, the only surgery for, for children was traditional surgery. So this family friend said to me, well, you know that your daughter's 15. And I said, yes. Well, you know that a 15-year-old could be considered a child or could be considered an adult. And I said, no, I don't know that. Because I was only going to pediatric doctors. I had no clue that at 15, you could go to adult doctors until my friend told me that at 15, you're a borderline. You could either be treated as a child or as an adult. And he said, you know that there is an experimental laparoscopic surgery. It's experimental, but it's being done right now on adults. And he says, but it's not being done on children. They're still gathering their information. So if it wasn't for a family friend doctor whose field was- Not um, gastro. Not gastro <laughs> whatsoever, educating me on your age, and what was available in, in the world marketplace or what was cutting edge at that time in the gastrology world, which was not my world, I didn't know anything about it, I would not have been able to research through the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation to ask them the right questions mm -hmm. for help. And they were the ones that, that pointed me to the number one laparoscopic bowel surgeon that happened to be right in Fort Lauderdale and directed me to University of Miami for the best gastroenterology department that was in South Florida. It's very difficult to find out that information without help. Also in 1995, there was no Google. I can't even imagine how you did the research. I actually have such vivid memories of my mom sitting at the dining room table with paperwork all over the place <laughs> and staying up at night. I mean, I, clearly my passion and driven nature for wellness. And I had my son 
also has Crohn's, which will be another story. And he does not have the gene for it. And he has a different thing that set off his Crohn's in his body through strep throat. But I think so many moms, you know, when that mama bear comes out in you, I mean, nothing is going to stop you. And so I think it's so imperative for moms to know that sometimes you don't want to just leave all the information to one doctor that one doctor may not be the all-knowing one and they should seek information from many doctors and from many organizations and then come to a conclusion of what is best for you or your family or whoever you're trying to help. I think that's a key differentiator that people need to remember that doctors are not God, that you actually tapping into your own intuitive nature might know better than the one doctor who is the right person for your family. I mean, all of that is true. And also what happens as a mom is when you learn information such as the medications that I we thought was, was good for you at 11, cause this predisposition to come out in your body and cause these problems, I became a mother on a mission. <laughs> and I wasn't going to give up until... I found the best solution I could for for you. Right. Yeah, I think the, you know, traditional medical community, I guess it failed us. It failed us with the arthritis. And then post-surgery, so I had surgery. They removed, you know, however much from my intestines. And what was the protocol post-surgery that I should follow? That was a hard pill for me to swallow. And it was one that I chose not to. So they, the, they wanted you on steroids for life. They wanted to keep the inflammation at a certain level. And I turned to the surgeon and I said, well, don't you realize that the medications that she was on at 11 caused all this to happen? If you're going to put her on steroids for life, I know some other children that are on steroids and they're very damaging you know, do they really fix the problem or is it just a Band-Aid? And of course, as a medical professional, all he knew was medicine. And that was the protocol. And so leaning back into community, where did that lead us by asking more people, are there other ways besides being on steroids for life that could help me with the Crohn's disease and recovery? Well, fortunately, we were at that time in the jewelry industry. So our family had the ability to be exposed to people from all over the United States. And we actually found out through our sister, my sister-in-law had a client who had a friend who had a son that had Crohn's, that was much older than you. And he was in four years of remission. And I said, how? <laughs> Is he on drugs? And they said, no. And I said, what's he doing? And so that led me to a path of wellness through a natural diet, the macrobiotic diet, which I, I had no idea what that was at that time. But I was interested in learning. You were in 11th, 10th grade, 11th grade. I figured, well, as soon as she's done school, because it was, I found out about macrobiotics somewhere like around April, May of the year. I said, we have to learn about that. And I happened to that summer be scheduled to go on a summer discovery program in Vermont. Mm -hmm. So we said, all right, let's go to the Berkshires is where the Macrobiotic Institute used to be located in Beckett, Mass. And so we went on an adventure. And I think a key thing is about just being, I don't know, we were just very open-minded. I remember we went to IHOP which is just funny. I had my last chocolate chip pancakes that I ever had at an IHOP. And mm -hmm. we went to the Macrobiotic Institute for a week. And basically our world opened up on 
the power of food to heal your body. There were people there. I mean, I had the least kind of problem compared mm-hmm. to others who, you know, were dying from cancer and all sorts of ailments and basically watch them come back to life in just the short week that I was there. But most importantly for me, what was interesting is I had my surgery, I think spring break of my sophomore year, and then was on this prednisone steroid. And we were looking to find a way to get off it. And after being at the Macrobiotic Institute for three days, my ears started ringing. Right. And the ears ringing is a sign that the medication is too strong. Right. And so you decided to just stop it. I was thinking like, well, maybe we'll cut it in half because it's, <laughs> it's steroid or whatever. And you said, no, mom, I just stopped it. And I, <laughs> I was thinking to myself, oh, oh, what's going to happen? You're not really supposed to do that with steroids, but you seem to be just fine. And your coloring, you were always pasty looking. Your face did not have rosy cheeks after surgery. They told me that you would rebound in a certain manner. You never really did. Your skin color didn't come back. But three days on this macrobiotic diet and stopping the prednisone, at the end of five days, you had the most beautiful rosy cheeks that I had ever seen. And you just looked healthy. Um, And I could see it. I could see it in your face that you were different. I think I must have felt it because I don't have any memories of it being some big ordeal. Or maybe it's just the way that I look at life. I just naturally felt like, I think I'm okay. And I think I just stopped taking it. And I actually, it's kind of shocking in hindsight. I went away for six weeks right after that. (laughs) Without your meds. (laughs) Without anything. And just Mm -hmm. basically became a vegetarian, pescatarian that summer. And I was kind of been okay ever since. I really thank the Macrobiotic Institute because the way they taught this course, they taught you at the age of 15 not only what to eat, what not to eat, but how to prepare your food. So if you had to do it yourself, you could, because many of the foods were pretty simple to be able to maintain the best health that you could for yourself. And I really admire you because you were 15 years old and you were just a teenager, but you were able to take that information and embrace it and make it happen for you where you felt well and had fun all summer long. Yeah, I think as a kid, I never wanted my issues to impede me from going forward. I think I was just so driven to like keep going and have life be so-called normal, even Mm -hmm. if my habits weren't so normal. But I was lucky that my friends were so supportive. I mean, some of my best friends today, I met that summer program and all my friends really just gathered around me like throughout like all my different like you know, chapters in life. And it was never a big deal. They always kind of looked out for me. So I think I always felt supported by my friends. And they knew that like, I needed to do this in order to like, continue to feel well. And that's what community is all about. That when you find a place of wellness, or you find a method of wellness, to surround yourself with like minded people, because they do their own research, they can stumble upon other things that can be even more helpful to you, you know, in your life, um, in your adult life with your children. And that's where the, the sense of community is so incredibly powerful with like minded people. Yes, actually. And I think a really interesting part of the story is, you know, we returned from the summer, we went back to my gastroenterologist, who was the top doctor at University of Miami at the time. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, checking on me six months post surgery. 
And when we told him, oh, yeah, I stopped my medicine, <laughs> what happened? He was not happy at all. He was really actually quite mean to me, you know, and um, kind of threatened me that I was uh, hurting my child's life and, you know, there was going to be terrible consequences. And I was so happy that my daughter felt well and looked great. And then I had this physician kind of berate me that as a mother, I was doing the wrong thing. So it was really very confusing to me. But I'm the type of person that sits back and uses good common sense and uses a mother's intuition. And I could tell that food being thy medicine was more powerful and more healing than a pill in a bottle. And I just decided I was going to take that path with you for as long as it lasted and go with it. Yeah, I think sometimes stepping into the unknown is obviously a scary place. But if you happen to feel well and you lean into alternative treatments, it almost just sets you free because you're not reliant on these appointments for the answers. You more just find the answers within yourself. You travel your own journey because you actually took your journey a little bit in your adult life in a different direction here and there and created a diet that worked for you. And that's really important for each human being to use their own instincts and don't stay in a box. Yes, I think we both learned that. So I was macrobiotic for, I would say, at least two years. Then mm -hmm. I went off to college and I was pretty much a pescatarian for, I mean, gosh, at least 20 years. Long and time. just to note, I also never had a colonoscopy after that surgery until I was, I must have been 36 and someone said, oh, you might want to get that checked. So I had a colonoscopy just to close out the Crohn story. And there's no sign of Crohn's. And I always said I heal myself from Crohn's through the power of food. And food is medicine. And, you know, 20-something years later, from 95 until 2020, which is basically when my son was diagnosed, not much has changed in the medical community. They do give some nutrition programs in the hospital that are very basic for the average American but it is not enough to really keep you off meds because they don't detail out, you know, the things you need to do. I think what happens is your body is on fire. It's an inferno when it's reactive and you're in an autoimmune response. But you need to cool that fire and be super strict, which is what I did with the macrobiotics. But then after the fire's cooled, you can kind of step back out and test things again. You know, in my 20s or even in college, like, yes, I drank alcohol. Yes, it ripped through me, but I definitely still drank. I really ate, I still ate really clean. I was the only one in University of Florida that probably shopped at the organic markets. <laughs> and my friends still make fun of me because they always smelled funky. But, you know, this was before Whole Foods became all over the place. And they exist now in every city in the world, which is amazing to give you access to organic food. And I always just kind of made sure to have healthy organic food by me as my base so that I could then go off and sort of eat the pokey sticks or have the vodka shots at the time <laughs> and still be okay. You know, it was all about a balance. And I think I kind of made my own body an experiment and kind of lived by this 80-20 rule of like be good 80% of the time so you can kind of have a party the 20%. And luckily it did work for me, but at the times, you know, stress was always a thing you always said, like, don't overstress yourself because stress is what could bring out an autoimmune response. So in my 20s working, of course, that's a stressful time. You're grinding it a lot. You're working, you're going out, you're social. I kind of always went back to these self-care practices that I learned at the 
Macrobiotic Institute of the power of breath and massage and eating simply. You know, there was a macrobiotic restaurant, Suin. It's still there. It's still our go-to for whenever you're feeling like I need a boost. Instead of getting a boost of an IV, I go get a boost of clean food. I think that people underrate you are what you eat and they don't think about that. And all too often, all of these diseases, you know, stimulate from our gut and it's mostly from what we eat besides the stress level. The stress is something else. That's something that will make anybody, anyone, well, not well. Organic food has, has greatly increased. What has not changed, as you pointed out, is traditional medicine, have they advanced? Yes, they've advanced, but have they changed from just giving you pills? Not really. They just give you pills. And I think that I would hope that the medical community moving forward can integrate more emphasis on diet. And that is where they're really still lacking. They're archaic. Yeah, I think the issue is, is that doctors are not nutritionists, nor should they be. And that's okay. Doctors are excellent at acute care. They mm -hmm. are great. And that is what they're trained for. That is the Western way. But if you're not in an acute situation and the fire has calmed down a little, you know, my advice is, of course, based upon my own experience, is to seek out alternative treatments, not think of them as a woo-woo, because even at the time, yes, macrobiotics was super woo-woo until Madonna and Gwyneth got on board and then all of a sudden modernized the idea of it. But that there's such healing powers with the power of touch and energy and our bodies made up of water. And there's real merit to what, you know, people did in ancient civilizations with herbs. And, you know, there's not one right way to be. So it's about kind of finding what method speaks to you. And again, tapping back into your intuition of what's, what's guiding you? What are you being gravitated towards? Is it acupuncture? Is it shiatsu? Is it reflexology? Even just starting with deep tissue massage or an infrared sauna, just starting somewhere with something and incorporating it into your life and getting the benefits of that treatment is so powerful to our bodies, especially because we live in such a toxic world, unfortunately. I just want to sort of recap what are your, as a mother, and you know, you've, thank God, had the power of community and I think you being curious, you mentioned research many times that you sat there and you researched. And I think that comes out of curiosity and not taking one answer as the answer. What are your main takeaways you would say from this experience? You got to see it from when I was born all the way until today. Now I'm 42 years old. Well, first of all, when you have a serious medical issue, you must be open-minded, number one. Number two, no doctor is God. Please seek out multiple opinions and also seek out other modalities for wellness because you could stumble across something that could be, be maybe more effective than traditional medicine, but you would never know that unless you're open-minded, use your instincts, because I've never made a decision on my instincts that has been wrong my entire life, never. I'm very analytical. Have I made mistakes on my analytical decisions? Yep. But on my motherly instincts, never have made a mistake. So I think that we are all given that gift of instinct, but we need to use it. Yes, We need to use it for our wellness. And so it's a, just a handful of things. 
And if you use them collectively and work within your own community, surround yourself with like-minded people, ask for help. People love to help. They do. Find the helpers. Find the helpers. They're, they're, they're there. They're everywhere. But you have to research. You have to be curious and never give up. And I think another interesting point, because I think back in the day, people used to like to keep any medical issues super private. That is true. And we were not one of those people. And I think if you do keep it to yourselves, you keep it just within the family, you're not going to be able to get the help that maybe you need in a time of need. I never would have found out about this boy in L.A. and what he did to be well for four years if we didn't share it across a whole industry community. Utilize everything that's available to you. I think also going back to speaking about diet, one of my biggest takeaways since growing up is you know, always evolve and change with your diet and you have to listen to your body because one way of eating is not the right way necessarily for your body forever. And I think we've kind of been trained to think, oh, I just need to eat, I'm a vegan or paleo, keto. There's right. not, and you can do that for a period of time, but that just may not be your forever diet. And there maybe is not no such thing as a forever diet. You know, I was macrobiotic, I was pescatarian, and it, and I basically did that for 25 years. But it, what's interesting is my mom and I, both our bodies kind of like, crashed and fell apart around the same time mm -hmm. and we couldn't figure out why and I think it's because we almost were too strict in a way and then all of a sudden we opened up and we started eating meat for the first time and chicken and actually having a more well-rounded diet you know not even that long ago five years ago and that made me feel so much better because I've had the surgeries I naturally can run more anemic and depleted from minerals and vitamins. And I never could have imagined. I didn't know what meat even tasted like because I stopped eating meat at 15, never craved it. And then a doctor, Frank Littman, told me for five years, a very long time to try to eat meat, try to eat meat. Iron won't be enough. Iron pills are enough for you. And finally, I felt so crappy that I did it. And I wish I actually listened to him earlier on because he would have saved me, you know, to have like greater energy for my kids at that time. And um, I just think, like you said, be open-minded and stay curious. And really the same thing happened to me with my son. A lot of people think it's weird that I like to share his Crohn's journey, but I do it to help others because, and who knows, what finds you you find things when you're ready for them so your intuition is not something to overlook and it's a way more powerful than i think we give it credit to and just by your story it shows and even the NICU nurse you know that woman tapped into her intuition and her experience at the same time and said no 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 something's off here and called it out not once but twice until she was finally heard so mom i want to thank you so much for coming today and my sharing, pleasure sharing my wellness journey from my childhood since you helped to fill in the blanks. I don't remember some of it from when I was little, but it's really interesting to see that, you know, the power of community and really asking the questions, stay curious, do your research. I endlessly just keep researching and reading medical journals, not weird websites. Now that we have Google, you didn't have Google back then. No. But, you know, real medical websites, PubMed, NCIB, I mean, things that are posted in Europe, just keep researching until you find the answers and that the answers are out there and just it's perseverance and resilience. It is. Never give up. And never you'll find up. it. Never give up. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to The Well Drop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Share with a friend who can benefit from listening too. Follow us on social media at The Well Drop.